This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to Green and White on once again weekly Plymouth Argyle fan-led podcast. We're back after a pretty bad weekend for most Greens. Uh, Argyle failed to reclaim the top spot and slipped to second after a tedious 0-0 draw away to Cambridge United. And when you thought it couldn't get any worse, England fell to defeat in the hands of the French. Uh, I'm Aaron, and joining me this week is Joe. Good evening. And Sam. Good evening. 1,200-odd greens braved the freezing cold weather for one of the most tedious games I've ever had the joy to watch. The first half was an extremely boring affair, and the second half had a bit more life in it, with two big opportunities for Cambridge. Mike Cooper with an outstanding one-on-one save and another flashed wide when it looked easier to score. Mayer and Whitaker with only our real chances, but none. No quality of note in this one, which lacked tempo, desire and attacking now. So I've basically summed it up for you. No one needs to watch the full match replay back now, do they? It's it's all there for you. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I wouldn't and- even force that on my worst enemy. Yeah. If if anyone else has been brave enough like I was to watch it back, um, then you can join me in the asylum. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty flat as Saturday afternoons go. Um, I thought, I mean, I, I, I hinted at it last week that I'd have taken a point um, before the game had kicked off. And I was very happy to take the point at full time. I don't think there was a great amount between the two sides on the day which is frustrating given where Cambridge are and given where we are. Maybe it was just we lacked intensity in the first half. Second half, we sort of were kicked into life by a few Cambridge chances, but we didn't really have much quality. We are a complete shadow of the side we were in October. It's funny, I watched back the extended highlights of the Exeter 4-2 win the other day just to cheer me up. And I remember that night about how dynamic and free-flowing and wonderful we were going forward and we hadn't seen anything anything close to that since that night um I hope we haven't peaked on the back of that it, yeah frustrating afternoon a couple of players had off days once again I thought I've given him a little bit of criticism in recent weeks for some of his play but I thought Randall was superb on the day anything we tried to get going forward, came through him, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't to be. 
we we got the point. We're second. Whoop de do. Not a massive amount changed other than that in the picture of the league. So um, let's take the clean sheet, which is the big positive from the day. I think we all would have taken that before the start of the afternoon. Let's take that. Let's use that as a foundation and put Morecambe to the sword on our own pitch next week. Yeah, I did not watch it back because I was at the game and I think once was certainly more than enough. <laughs> yeah, it was um, was not was not a great day at all. We went to a team without a win or indeed a goal at home in, in over three months and we... Well, they still really... haven't got the goal, in all fairness. No, they still haven't got the goal, that's true, but we, we, we didn't really take them to the sword. We, we kind of got sucked into playing their game plan from, from minute one. We were very, very direct, more direct than we probably should have been. We, we, we played 4-4-2 with a, um, you know, two up front and lumping up to them and, and sort of bypassing the midfield. And I agree with Joe, Randall did have a good game, but I think it makes it all the more impressive that he had a good game, that we didn't really play out to him as much as we normally did. He, he was kind of having to do the work of players around him as well as his own work. The fact that he picked up so many scraps in the midfield rather than us just passing to him in space makes his performance all the more impressive. Off the ball, he was fantastic. On the ball, um, he was still pretty good. There were a couple of frustrating moments that, that we that we sometimes see him have, but but even on the ball, you know, more good than bad. And off the ball, absolutely superb. He was our best outfield player by considerable distance. But I say outfield because. I think once again Cooper was a man of the match. I, I seem to say this every week that Cooper was a man of the match, but I really think he was. He made that fantastic save second half. That really should have been one 0 and um, and that that would have been their first goal. But thankfully he kept us in it. Um, everyone else really, really quite quite poor. Um, Let's not forget thinking. we hit the woodwork. We did, we did. There were there were there were a couple of okay moments. I'm not saying it was uh, I'm not saying it was the worst one. I think it was better than. It was better than the Lincoln game, which we played very badly indeed. It was, I would say, maybe on a par with the Burton game, maybe a little bit better. So it wasn't as if there were no good moments, but I think there was more more in that game to concern us than to encourage us. Let's put it that way. Aaron, do you remember that wonderful nil-nil draw after the high of the Newport promotion Mm. when we made that long trip out to Essex and there was like, three shots on goal in the entire 90 minutes and we questioned several life choices that day where yeah. where do you where, where does it lay in comparison to what you saw on saturday i think actually on saturday because of the aforementioned in previous pods living in east anglia the mm. fact it was only an hour away <laughs> make, makes it a lot less harder to deal with it's the uh it's the like the treks to Colchester and and Orient and places where you're like, you know, Newport and Boxing Day one year when you'll get you know you're absolutely crap that you just think that you just think why why this that was yeah. the rainiest day in human history that Boxing Day at Newport I got uh, absolutely drenched through that day I didn't take a coat that was clever was it <laughs> the weather forecast said it would would be drizzle so I didn't take a coat <laughs> and got actual hypothermia so that was good. That was not yeah. a nice day for any of us. No. We seem to change our game plan up a little bit against these so-called weaker sides in the division, mainly because I, I presume because it worked at Wickham. But, like, why in recent weeks has there been an insistent on this Route 1 hoofball? Like, it's, we're giving some of the poorer sides, like, just too much respect. I understand, like, not giving them enough, but it just feels like we're giving them too much. I would yeah. agree. To a degree... 
I would agree. I would suggest that it's also was is it potentially also Schumacher overthinking it a little bit? Maybe Cambridge. From the two games we played against them last year, they're quite physical. Smith is a constant nuisance up front. Lancaster's tricky. Um, the centre. I mean, I I actually watched the first half of the game, and I actually said to my mate who I was watching it with, I said to him, I said, um, without trying to be entitled or big-headed, but I'm slightly frustrated that Ryan Hardy isn't bossing Lloyd Jones here. Um, I sort of looked at that matchup and thought. I expect Hardy to be all over him and um, it just wasn't to be. So, yeah, I mean, we're not a physical side, are we? Let's be honest. We're not no. a Wickham. We're not a Cambridge. We're not a Burton. Um, I'm sure there are other, you know, Cheltenham are probably a bit bit long ball route one, but that's not us. I mean, we're going to come up against another team on Saturday who are probably like that. I hope, I really hope that he doesn't start with that system on Saturday at home. Um, but it's horses for courses, isn't it? But we, I don't think we have the players to adapt to that system compared to the. I just, I just it. don't see that working at all, though. Like, like you could argue that against Wicked we got lucky in the fact that we got a penalty, right? Like, it's, it's just like I thought we were the better team that day against Wickham, though. Oh, sure, but like you know, without that penalty, yeah, it's, it's nil nil, and we're, we're talking about it probably in a. And we did have. Yeah, and we did as well have Trelan, another fantastic Cooper save, didn't we, that day to bail us out that double save from um, Mehmeti and whoever it was who got on the follow-up. I think, I think look, um, it did work in the sense that even if we had got a draw at Wickham, a draw would have been better than the last few results we got there. So I think you've got to give Schumacher credit it worked against Wickham, but I think there's a danger of him now just thinking that's the right tactic to use against all teams. And I think it worked against Wickham, but Wickham are such an extreme example. Wickham aren't just a physical team. They're a, they're a team who, who stop the whole game around them. They're a team who go in very heavy, leave a bit on tackles, or you know, waste time, slow the game down. And they, they actually make the game a physical battle to be won. And I think in that scenario, even though, like you say, it could, we could be talking about it differently, maybe we got a bit lucky, what Schumacher did was broadly more understandable in that context. Cambridge are a physical team, at home certainly but they can play a bit as well it's yeah, not we like it's not like they were it's not like they would actively stop us playing like Wickham did so I think there's a danger that Schumacher having sort of struck gold with that tactic once it, it's now starting to have a bit of a sort of galaxy brain moment I think this is the tactic we've got to do whenever we play a, a, a tricky team away mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that would be the wrong route to go down in the long term I think if, if we'd have if we'd have gone with our with our normal formation and our normal way of playing, I think Cambridge were there for the taking on Saturday. But unfortunately, we didn't do that. Seeing Wilson and Butcher just like going long at every opportunity, it's just. I will say, I actually thought Butcher had one of his better games for us. Wow! I don't care if that's controversial. Um, that's, that's very controversial. I thought. Um, I actually sat there and thought, as the game went on, I felt he got better in the game. He was booked early, which perhaps put him under a bit more pressure than he needed to be. But I, I do sometimes question how often do our central defenders actually practice those long balls forward and into the channels because we very rarely get them right. Five cards and you know, three in the first half, none for Cambridge. Mm. Does yeah. does that does that show that we were too physical? Does it show no. that, that they they broke us down right? Like I don't I, no. I'm, I'm looking forward to your ref rant. 
which is, which uh, is coming up. It doesn't show either of those. It shows inept refereeing. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, look, he's butch, Butcher's pullback is cynical, but it's 72 seconds into the game or something. Have yeah. a word with him. Em, employ some common sense here. Like, I couldn't understand that. And then it just seemed to be any foul that we committed and at least one or two Cambridge players got to the referee's face he was reaching for a card. Um, I actually saw at one point it looked um, as if the fourth official had gone to explain to Schumacher a decision and Schumacher just gave him a look as if to say, I don't really care. I'm not interested. I'm not getting involved. Um, I think, what was the foul count in the end? 17 to 7. Um, That tells the story. We weren't breaking the game up to that extent. Um, I'm not going to stand here and say that Cambridge were trying to buy fouls, um, but I thought it was as inconsistent a performance in terms of levelling up decision-making. The 50-50s all went in Cambridge's (laughs) favour, essentially. Um, And these sorts of referees are the sorts of referees that make decisions that have huge consequences later on in the season. Now, I'm not saying that any of his decisions in this occasion have inf- will it have a great impact later in the year, but it wouldn't surprise me if he has taken charge of other games and given away key decisions that will see teams drop points or pick up points from poor decisions. It was a poor, poor refereeing display. I, I agree it was a poor refereeing display. Um, I suppose to add a little bit of an element of debate, I whilst I agree that he, he gave a bit too much to away generally and sort of every 50-50 went their way, I don't agree on the aspect of the butch yellow card just because I think just because it was so it was so cynical, he was making absolutely no effort to win the ball. And I think when it's that blatant, I think when it, whether it's in the first minute or the last minute, you've got to punish it with a booking. Otherwise, players just feel they can take the take the proverbial. So I disagree on that. I agree more generally that it, we weren't as dirty as the game made out made us out to be. I, I very much agree on that, and it made it all the more frustrating in what was already a poor performance from our side that we weren't able to to get going. And on the rare, rare occasion, we did get the ball down and look like playing um, look like playing some good stuff. Uh, a Cambridge player would just go down and get a free kick. So I, I agree it wasn't a, a good it did, it also, play. It also didn't help the spectacle of the afternoon for the people that were inside the Abbey Stadium. Because no. every time the game looked like it was developing some flow, the referee stepped in and awarded a free kick more often than not to Cambridge. Um, yeah. Which broke up the situation. I think it... I don't think it helped us because I think as the game went on, we became more and more frustrated with it. Um, there's a brilliant picture that the club tweeted at halftime, actually, of Joe Edwards showing his disbelief at a foul being given against either him or one of his teammates. And I just put on Twitter at the time, that just summed up the first half. Um, that we, we couldn't believe what was going on. And, you know, the team sort of thought that it was an us against them mentality. Um and maybe that had an impact on our performance in the second half. Maybe we just felt so frustrated um, that we didn't want to get near them. I mean, there was an incident where Butcher was um, running at a defender or the, the attacker was coming towards him. He was trying to step two, but he was almost too cautious to get involved because he was already on that yellow card. Um, so it does have an impact, but he, as much as I like moaning at referees, um, he had no bearing on the result. So... It's futile, really. 
I, I absolutely agree. Agree with that. Um, certainly about about having no bearing on a result. We we we, we were poor with all, with all about the refs. The most hilariously bad decision that there was was the one where it clearly went off their defender for a corner and somehow got given it a goal kick. I think everyone oh. in the uh, everyone in the stadium just laughed at that one. But that that was quite absurd. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's not great. It's, I mean, I I I do think that it's such a tough job to do. And you know, when people say we need VAR, I think. I, I know we're going a bit off topic. I'd always rather accept there's going to be an element of human error than, than have VAR, in my opinion. But there are some decisions that just test the limits of that. And that one from the corner was, was very much one of them. But hey-ho, like like you say, he wasn't the reason we lost. It was our poor performance. Sorry, Drew rather than lost. He wasn't the reason we drew. It was our own our own poor performance was the reason we drew. Sonny Gill has given out 63 cards in... 64 cards, 63 yellows, 18 games, which which is an Good average of God Emery, an average of 3.5. So not that high. One positive. Let's start with a positive before we go on to the two negatives. Another two negatives. Uh, one positive is that obviously Michael Cooper is back amongst the clean sheets. The the curse of TikTok has uh, left him. Fantastic save one on one. Kept us in it. Absolutely no chance. We we keep him if we don't make promotion. Right. I I agree. Like it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Um, we, we kind of had this discussion to an extent the other week, and, and Joe said he was hopeful that the club might, you know, persuade Cooper to sign a twelve-month extension just so we get a good fee for him. And whilst I'd love to think that would happen, I think realistically his agent is going to be in his ear saying, "Look, you need to hold all the leverage you can here. Your best chance of playing at a higher level next season is to not sign that contract, and then the club will sell you lest you walk away for free." And as much as I love Joe to be right, I think what's more likely to happen is, is that he will not sign the contract and we will sell him. Because ultimately, if clubs are coming offering, you know, in, in the region of, you know, 2 million, 2.5 million, is that what he, he he's really worth when you look at how good he is compared to other players who've gone for a lot more money? No, but what a player's worth is really dependent on, on what the selling club thinks it's worth selling them for. And, and I think in that scenario where he is set to leave on a free a year later, Argyle will sell him for a figure probably much lower than, than, than many Argyle fans would like us to. But yeah, unless we go up, I think that's very likely to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I think he's certainly going on a free the summer after. I, I cannot see him stay, signing a new contract, nor can I see him staying at Argyle beyond May 2024, unless we go into the championship. And even then, I don't think it's a sure thing. Because he is that good. Uh, I have every faith in the successful US businessman Simon Hallett to get the best possible um, outcome with his asset. I said my piece a couple of weeks ago, um, nothing's changed. Um, the football club know how valuable Michael Cooper is. Michael Cooper knows how valuable, he, well, Michael Cooper's agent will know how valuable he is. Um, yeah, let's see how it plays out. I don't expect anything to play out in January. Um purely because I think the football club will take a hard stance on it. Um, I agree on that. And then, yeah, let's let's get to the summer and see what happens. Um, regardless of what happens, he would still have 12... Is it 12 months left on his contract? After yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, way there, I'd like to see a little bit more, as I said a couple of weeks ago. But one thing that we can't deny, removing our green-tinted spectacles, is Michael Cooper is going to a higher level. And we all hope it is with Plymouth Argyle. But if it is not with Plymouth Argyle, then I will be the first one to sit back and enjoy his performances wherever he may go, whilst also remembering that he will be bringing 
a significant sum of investment into the football club off the back of his transfer. Sam, you mentioned there a 12-month uh, extension, which leads me on to a player we recently gave an extension to in Brendan Galloway. Schumacher has announced that Plymouth Argyle defender Brendan Galloway will be out of action for up to three months. And Miller was withdrawn at halftime as a precautionary measure after suffering some tightness in his hamstring. So potentially two big losses there. Yeah. Gareth Law, when he came into the job, he probably realised he had a lot on his plate in terms of injuries. He will need a larger, bigger plate now. I feel so sorry for Brendan Galloway. I really do, because he's had a good run at it. We've seen his how good a defender he has been since he's come into the football club and the glimpses of runs in the side that he has. Schumacher made a very good and valid point this week when he said that this is Brendan's first muscle-related injury. The rest have all been away from muscles. Yeah, I, I feel so sorry for him. Hopefully he can come back from it, but Father Time is ticking on his contract. Mikel Miller, hopefully, again, I keep using the word hopefully, Hopefully time flies and we get through January and we can get some bodies. Hopefully that was, as you say, just a precaution and there's nothing serious come to light on it. But yeah, it's not good, is it? And poor Gareth Law has got his work cut out immediately after starting his new role. Gutted for Brendan. Hope that he makes a quick recovery and we can see him again this season. Where does it leave his future? I don't know. I don't want to speculate because it'd be wrong, but... It's not good. Yeah, it's, it's stating here that it's a grade three hamstring tear and he's set to be sidelined until mid-February at the earliest. So he'll, he'll, be back in, he'll be back in time for the playoffs. Woo! Sam, obviously the data-driven approach has worked pretty well for transfer so far and I'm not, I'm not going to start uh, slagging off the, the transfer department at all. But is there a certain aspect of it where we need to maybe stop signing players who have a proven injury track record. That's that's two that we, that we knew of before they even joined us. I think, yes, that would be nice. But I also think it's very much a trade-off. When you are a club with a, a mid-table budget, which Schumacher has been very clear that we are, when you are a club that's hugely punching above your weight, you have to trade off the type of players you, you, you are able to bring in with the budget you've got to spend. It would be great if we could bring in players... Who are, who are top-end, top-quality League One players who also have p- perfect fitness records. But the reality is that Plymouth Argyle are probably not going to have the wages to entice their players to the club in the same way that Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday and Peterborough do. And what we do is, is we sign gambles and low knees and free agents in the hope that some of them become brilliant and some of them unquestionably do become brilliant. Uh, Galloway last season before his injury was absolutely fantastic. But then his injury came along and there he was out for the whole season. So I think it would be... It would be nice to say, yeah, we're not going to sign any more injury-prone players. We're going to sign players with perfect fitness records. But then, for the same money, you're not going to get somebody as good. You need, the trade-off's going to have to come somewhere. And I think maybe you'd, maybe in certain circumstances, you'd rather somebody who is only going to play 25 games a season, but they're going to be a lot better, rather than somebody who's going to be good for 40 to 46 games, but not perform at such a high level. Now, as it happens, I think that, you know, Going off on a bit of a tangent here, I think Galloway's level this season has actually not been as good as his level last season. Anyway, I think he's made far more mistakes this season. So I think re- realistically, unless he comes back in and has a fantastic last couple of months, I think we're realistically probably going to have to let him go in May. But as a general rule, I think it, it, it is a trade-off. And whilst we'd love to have players who are brilliant and perfectly fit, those players probably aren't coming here on our budget. What I will say, just 
interjecting slightly. Um, I know where your question was going, Aaron, um, but the whole thing about Plymouth Argyle signing players with history, with injuries, etc. Um, it's not just down to this transfer team or the way that we now look at data to sign players. This is a this is just how Plymouth Argyle have operated for as long as I can remember that we take gambles on players. It's more so f- since the administration era because obviously the finances haven't been there as they were 20 years ago. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just, the, I think it's also a direct consequence of where we are. If you're a fit, you know, dynamic player and you can get 46 games playing in and around the southeast where you've got that massive pool of clubs you don't have to move far etc whereas if you have to come all the way down to Plymouth to play you're sort of having to take that gamble as well as the club taking a gamble aren't you so mm. um, it, it swings we'll, we'll probably go out and sign 15 really fit players in the next two years and never talk about this again but I'd hope so <laughs> be nice <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Let's move on. We've already mentioned Schumacher a couple of times. Uh, obviously, last Wednesday saw Schumacher celebrate a year in charge at Argyle. We've spoken many times of Shuey's positives as a tactician and as a manager, um, and even despite the recent downturn. So a, d- a slightly different approach on the question this week, just simply, what's your favourite Schumacher memory? I won't lie, bit of a rubbish question, because I couldn't think of anything, and we've, we've sung his praises quite a lot, so... Probably his interview after, um, or his interviews in and around the MK Dons game for me, that first game, because you could just see how excited and how proud he was that he was now the main man. I know it's a bit of a cheesy answer to the question. I don't know if you were expecting me to say some moment where he gave it a big celebration after a goal or something. Um but yeah, for me, it's that. It, it just showed how much it meant to him. It showed how proud he was to be the manager. Um, and yeah, if he, he, you know, he's continued in a similar vein over the last year. It wasn't just a one-off where he was that happy and proud. Um, and hopefully there are several more interviews like that to come in the future. Indeed. It's been a good year. Let's move on to Evergreen. The club this week has launched a new subscription, a fans fund. And I quote, provides the Green Army with a full range of fantastic Argyle benefits while supporting football operations at Home Park and has been billed as the difference in our future success. Evergreen, the predecessor to the Big Green Lottery, is a unique membership scheme that will give supporters the flexibility to pledge their subscription fee to a chosen footballing department whilst being billed as help towards Argyle's ambition to become a sustainable championship club, which um, obviously we need to get there first. Yeah, Joe, I saw your tweet on the support for the scheme. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to just share your thoughts. You want me to eulogize, do you? Um, Uh, Ideally. Ideally. Right. Okay. Um, If we, if we go back to a couple of the fans forums that were held last season, fans were constantly asking Simon and Andrew, how they could get more involved in helping the club out. Obviously, during COVID, we had um, supporters asking to contribute money to keep the club going, etc., etc., willing to waive tickets and all sorts. And um, 
the club took that on board. They saw it as a positive thing that people wanted to get involved. Obviously, the Big Green Lottery has been very successful for however long it's been running um, to finance the academy and other product projects. Um, and yeah, they made it pretty clear. Um, I can't remember which fans forum it was, whether it was the spring one or the summer one, that they were going to um, announce a new way for people to get involved, which they think was a better way. Um, and look, you read down through the benefits and you get a whole raft of things that are very exciting. Some people will like some benefits more than others. Some people might just want to contribute the money and not get any of the benefits. Um, I think I particularly don't see it as a invasive way for people to get involved in the respect that obviously we're currently going through in quite a tough time on people's finances. I don't think... Um, although obviously when you look at a blank figure of the premium membership being equivalent to 216 pounds, um, you know, that it's different to the football club asking you to stump up 216 pounds on the spot. Um, it's a cost spreading measure over a period of months. Um, I think it's a positive thing. I'd imagine the uptake has been pretty, pretty good initially. Um, I don't imagine it's something that will... I think whatever the uptake is immediately is what the uptake will be. I don't think it's going to be something that will grow on people as time goes on. Um, I think if people are interested, they will do it straight away. Um, I personally, I probably will do it. Um, I don't know at what level I'm going to go in yet. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. How can we be sat here as fans saying that any way the football club can make money to invest in infrastructure and projects and, um, other things around the club, how can we see that as a bad thing? Um, we all praise the American investment. I know £4 million pounds or $4 million, whatever it was, is a greater sum than mine or your £18 a month, but money into the football club's money into the football club, isn't it? And that's, that's exactly what the Pepperoni Cup's doing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a positive thing. It gets people involved and if you get a extra couple of percent discount in the shop then who wouldn't want to go and buy a foam finger or a key ring pilgrim pete or a little bit cheaper uh yeah joe's pretty much said it all for me i don't think i'll be doing it because i've not really got uh, enough money to, to to put aside each month for that but maybe if my circumstances change i would do it and uh yeah ultimately oh. it's a way for people to put the money into the into the club isn't it and, and get a little bit of something nice back for it and a bit of a membership to show off and yeah who, who can argue with it there is there is another way, Sam. If we can find a sponsor for this pod, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we could donate to Evergreen for you in your name. <laughs> Any um, listeners, please do drop us a line. <laughs> I think for me as an exile, it it, it seems like a good idea, uh, mainly just because of the level three ticket in priority, which I had with the big the big green lottery. I've still got the checks here from the big green lottery that I haven't cashed. So, like you know, I, I, and I know many others. Uh, in London and surrounds that that didn't cash theirs because they're like a tenner, a fiver. You can't like, can't mm. bother to walk to the bank for that. So, um, <clears throat> you know, the the level three ticketing priority seems like a good idea for uh, exiles who you know want to get to some away games. Um, and with that, how do we? Obviously, we we weren't potting when the ticketing priority changed, and I know there was a bit of a furore on Twitter. But what what are your guys? thoughts how do you feel about the ticket priority levels that have been introduced 
do you think they're good, bad? Um, both both now and back at the beginning of the season. I took part in the survey. I thought a ticketing points based system might well have been. Yeah, it it has its teething problems as clubs who bring in a system like this. As time goes on, the football club will understand the whole system better. Um, am I? Has my view changed slightly? I mean, I'm I'm in a rather difficult position that I can't go to every game. Therefore, I don't accrue as many points as other people. But does that mean I'm any less of a fan than somebody else? Um, I think you do sort of get an us against them mentality set up when you have a system like this. People use it to their advantage at times. People don't. I'm not sure it's something we need to waste too much time on, but it's just that obviously it's it's only been an issue of two games, right? Forest Green mm. away, Bristol away, two sorry, Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Um, you know, two close games. I'm sure it will be an issue for the Exeter away game. But <laughs> apart from yeah. that, uh, you know, Cheltenham that went to general sale, right? Like, as far believe, as I know, yeah, exactly. So, like, but I guess uh, that might have been just down to what what day of the year it is. I don't imagine it would be particularly difficult for the football club to manage. A, any ticket issues they have yeah I've had no issues so far in getting tickets with, with points um, obviously I had to miss Forest Green but I was in Spain anyway I've resigned to the fact that I'm not going to Exeter which in truth is a is a boring pretty bad away day anyway you can't go yeah. anywhere, you can't do anything you, can, you know. you're herded like cattle exactly, you're not, not treated really, very well and it's just... not really bothered about missing that and that's going to be a guaranteed 2-0 yeah. loss or whatever so <laughs> you know, absolutely fine. We seem to have lost Sam, but we'll just crack on we without don't. him. Yeah. So up next, obviously, after the the midweek, the midweek Papa John's Trophy game was cancelled um, due to fr- a frozen pitch, I believe, or safety mm. concerns. Our next game sees us return to Home Park this weekend to face Derek Adams Morecambe side, who are in decline compared to previous seasons. How do you see this one panning out, Joe? Return of the King. Yeah, I sort of alluded to it earlier. Um... Morecambe will be direct, they will be compact, they will be difficult to break down. It's important on us to impose our style on the game as quickly as we can. I expect nothing other than three points. I hope we can use the positivity of last week's clean sheet to our advantage this week and we can use it as a platform. What we're looking at team-wise, do we think? Scar to come back in, Gillespie to move to the left side, Wilson back to the right. Edwards, Mumba back in on the left, I guess. Hout and Randall, Whitaker, Mayer, maybe Ennis up front. Just something a little bit different, a bit quicker, maybe. Because um, he holds his own pretty well up there, Ennis, actually, to be fair to him. He's getting better as the game goes on, and I think he's going to be quite a key player for us, not just this year, but into next year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, it, the other thing as well, it will be a case of how long does it take, I think, for us to break them down. That will be the tricky thing. Um, as I alluded to in, before the Port Vale game on the pod, you know, those that are going to Home Park on Saturday, don't give up, don't turn on the players, um, you know, because chances will come in this game, I'm sure of it. Because surely, Aaron, we're, we're bubbling up to go back to our best, aren't we? You'd, you'd, you'd like to think so, especially... Surely against... someone's, Surely someone's going to cop one sooner rather than later off us. Especially against, you know... A Morecambe side who have been poor. Obviously, obviously, you know, I'm aware that budgets don't don't really um, suit them very well. You know that, that they are up against it. And, and to be fair, for them to even be a League One club is like huge. When was the last time Cole Stockton scored? No idea. 
I'm I could tell you. I could po- look I'm not going to use that as a positive thing either. Because I could look, at, of... I could look on FOTMOB for you. Well, while, uh, while you do that, I'll... He scored against about... Exeter on the, the oh, 2nd well, of December. What better team to score against? So it was yeah. two weeks ago. Um, but, I mean, I think I might be wrong. Is that his only goal of the season in the league? No, he got... Uh, oh, potentially in the league. Sorry, I didn't see the that, last. I mean... He got one against Lincoln in a 5-4 win. Oh, that was in right. the EF. That was in the EFL Trophy. Sorry. Ah, up the up the Margarita Cup. We we sort of spoke about it. Was I don't know. Fours pod about managers perhaps re- not regretting or regretting the chance not to move on and vice versa. You know, and Morecambe perhaps regretting not cashing in on Stockton given his value. Well, it certainly hasn't gone up in the last six months. It's not. I don't think it's a positive that he hasn't scored many this year because again, a player of his quality. Having shown what he's done the last couple of years, again, someone's going to cop an, an unfortunate one off him. But we have more than enough about her to stop him from playing. We have the best goalkeeper in the league. I think we have one of the best centre-halves in the league in Dan Scar. I think Macaulay Gillespie um, has the potential to be one of the best in the league. Um, we have one of the most exciting attacking fullbacks in the league. We have all those attacking players up front and surely we've got enough to beat Morecambe. Come on, send us to Christmas happy. Give us well, three points. Well, we had, we had no Dan Scar last time we, we, we played them. Obviously, 2-0 win at home park in which Hardy and Grant scored. Um, I'm not going to pretend I knew that. I'm looking at football. <laughs> Danny Mayer with an assist that day as well. If that, if that could happen on Saturday. We could do it one of them. Yeah, we could. We could. We could do I think Danny Mayer could do with one of them as well. I think actually he he looks quite bright against Cambridge when he came on. He looks okay, you know, for a man coming back from injury and, and you know the game was the game was pretty dead anyway. So I made the point actually before his injury, obviously he went through um a couple of issues, wasn't where he was away from the club for a little bit, wasn't he? Early yeah. in the season. And he you know, it's obviously through no fault of his own. He's not quite been at the same level since. Um, and hope, obviously, then he had the injury and it takes a while to get over that. And you just hope that, you know, he's getting back to somewhat the Danny Mayer that we had seen the back end of last season, early this season. Um, because that's a good Danny Mayer to watch when he's free and he's roaming across in behind the striker. Um, hopefully, he can get 90 minutes under his belt on Saturday and Maybe an assist or a goal. Who knows? We had a, you know, we had that embarrassment of riches in that ten when we had Finnesaz and and Mayer both both on form, both looking yes, good. Yes, and then like. we had Adam Randall there. <laughs> yeah, obviously, Morecambe uh, haven't won in their last nine. Haven't kept a clean sheet in their last nine. They're bottom of the league. Like mm. you know, old old me would say, oh, that's <laughs> you know, that's one nil Morecambe. But I, I I do have a different faith in this side. Um, yeah, I've, I've asked you about Schumacher. Let's get, let's move on to Derek. Um, yeah. What's, what's your favourite Derek Adams memory? Again, another really boring question. Yeah. Weirdly, there are plenty. I think again, most of them came in press conferences because he, he wasn't afraid to say what he thought. Um, favourite Derek? I mean, look, he gave us the Anfield journey. Um, that was an amazing. He gave us that. He gave us that ninety odd minutes as well. Yeah. Um, which is one of the craziest 90 minutes I think I'll ever watch. Um, just because we were holding Liverpool and 
probably should have won it at the end. The celebration at Fratton Park when Greg Wiles turned it around when he went running off down the touchline. Um, the complete and utter... I'm trying not to swear and I'm not going to, but the complete and utter mayhem in every fixture against Wickham. They made them games to just turn up and just watch the sidelines. His rivalry with Paul Cook was very exciting, but look, he'll be forever remembered as a manager who got us promoted. And just that whole season, um, because that was the season that included the Liverpool game. That whole year, I think, is my favourite Derek Adams memory. I think it's that, it's that, that 90 minutes at Anfield. Derek Adams is back, and so is Sam. Sam, what's your favourite Derek Adams memory? Yeah. Hello. What a question to return to, that is. It's an easy answer, and it's the same as my favourite memory of football at all, and it's that Peter Hartley had at Descendants to Wembley. It it was the culmination of a return to Argyle being good after years and years of being bad to mediocre. That season was our... Our, our best season post-admin by a mile. Kerry was brought to the club with our best player post-admin by a mile. It had a, the whole season had an overall overarching air of, of Argyle being back and being a good team again. We then did go on a little bit of a bad run and dropped out of the top three. And, you know, we know what happened at Wembley. But, you know, for that moment, that that moment epitomised the season. Home Park was sent into absolute raptures. And, and it will be a moment I remember as long as I live. And it's my favourite Argyle yeah. memory. My favorite, probably even my favorite, my favorite sporting memory, uh, right up there. To be honest, it was um, just an incredible, incredible day. Imagine if it was Derek Adams jumping up at the back post. Whoa. <laughs> like, he probably like, headbutt the defender more than headbutt the ball. Head like, the ball into the back of the net, but that could only make it better. And then I've just got your least favorite Derek memory, which um, which could send you down a really dark rabbit hole. It, it could only be that day at Accrington. Um, <laughs> it could only be that day at Accrington it became clear to everybody that his time was up that he'd alienated the squad alienated the fans fell out with people behind the scenes the club was an incredibly incredibly toxic place to be around and it all culminated in that dreadful dreadful day at Accrington where he was well <laughs> walked off the pitch to some very unpleasant comments from Argyle fans but it epitomised the anger that we had at that moment in time mm, yeah that's the obvious shout I mean i in a strange way and people listening to this might think I'm back in the asylum again, but actually that was one of my favorite away days. Um, just cause getting up at half past six in the mornings, travel all that way. We had all the positivity. I remember sitting with a group I was on and they'll enjoy me telling these stories that we had a great time on the coach on the way up. We were having great tales of banter and fun, get to the ground and, it's cold, it's windy, it's wet, it's got everything that football should be about. And you see the team and all those attacking players have been dropped and there's a little bit of uh-oh in the back of your mind. And yeah, the next 90 minutes were pretty forgettable um, for obvious reasons. I wouldn't um, say they were forgettable. <laughs> they, were very me- they were very memorable for all well, the I've, wrong reasons. Yeah, I've tried to forget them. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. And then obviously, you, as Sam said, you had the the amazing incredible um, response to the Green Army at full time. And then the next six and a half hours traveling back from Accrington, um, bear in mind this is 24 hours before Adams was was sacked, um, the same group of friends that I was with, we spent the entire day naming candidates to replace him um, to keep us up on the last day of the season. Um, It was just a crazy day. That's the obvious one. my worst Eric Adams memory was when he blamed Algie on the pitch. 
and we became the laughing stock of That's, the nation. That was going to be my favourite. Oh, just that whole buzz on social media. Um, even Sky Sports News reported it, and like it just made you cringe at Argyle. We'd had so much positivity um, in the first part of Adams' tenure, but oh, I just. It sends shudders down my spine just remembering the country's reaction to the manager blaming an algae infection on the pitch for our poor, or blaming the colour of the seats as well. The players couldn't tell what was a seat to what was a player because it was the same colour green. <laughs> that is that is a that is a question I've raised at Sunday League level in which if you come off and you're wearing your kit, you have to cover your kit up. How do refs manage it in the football league, but not at Sunday League? When, when everybody wears a replica kit. Mm. Um, absolutely baffling. We won't go off on that tangent, but no. there it is. And before we go, Argyle women bow out of the FA Cup after a 3-0 defeat away to Oxford United. Uh, Lily Stevens and Leah Burridge gave United the goals. They face Cardiff City, ladies up next in the league. Elsewhere in the club, uh, Argyle's academy side blew away Newport 6-0 Goals from Halls, Edworthy, Will Jenkins Davis, Freddie Osaka, and Roberts, uh, who also managed to score in the 1 1 draw away to Portsmouth. And they face local rivals, Exeter, up next. If we can beat them on Saturday, that, that's, a, that's a massive show of our um, our recent academy graduates. You know, Yeah, because uh, they, they crow about it quite a lot, don't they, about the success of their academy. So if we can be regularly putting one past, particularly with the young players we now have coming through, it's it can only be positive. I think that's it. I think that's enough for tonight. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I, I disappeared for half of it, but I had no idea what happened. It was very strange. Cheers, guys. See you again next week. Look Thank you very much. Bye all. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.